everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Artless Dialogue. As always, you're joined by me, Ash Mohammed, and a good friend, South. How are you doing, South? Hi, Ash. Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, it's been a busy week at work and uh, the weekend's almost over already. How about you? It, it is. I mean, it's it's been a, you know, a, a week of um, all about the heat. No, uh, I've watched lots and lots of, you know, Sky, Sky News Tech programs all measuring the depth of a canal. You know, it's going to be one of those kind of news weeks. So uh, a slow news week in some cases, clearly, because they're, they're looking for canals to measure. But uh, it's a typical British, you know, for those listeners outside the UK, we're obsessed with the weather in the UK. Yeah. Um, so having a kind of unseasonably hot uh, weather, we, we, we were loving it. You know, the British were loving it it's on every news channel everywhere. Definitely. Um yeah, and yeah, it didn't and it didn't today, so we're going back to the normal. Exactly, back to reality. We'll be complaining about the weather any minute. Yep, back um, to normal. Back to normal. But this week, um, episode really um, one of these episodes where um, you could easily disappear into. So we're going to talk about sports and monetization and the monetization of sports, uh, which is an, an interesting uh, topic. So probably uh, I'll, I'll start because um, uh, we we. We, as we do with most of our episodes, we, we come up with a, a title, then me and Sal disappear off and we do some research and then we come back together and we discuss um, what we found and yeah. then we share our thoughts. So it'll be interesting, Sal, when 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 we came up with this topic, what, where did you go? What what was your kind of initial, where am I going to go for sports and monetization? Because it's a big old topic. Yeah, I, I basically started with understanding how sports teams make money, how athletes are paid. That yep. was the easy part. And then I started looking for why do certain sports earn more than other sports? Why do yep. sports in certain regions uh, have more value than sports in other regions? For example, the US versus Europe versus Asia and so forth. And then going down that rabbit hole, uh, I, I looked up the history of monetization sports, uh, women's sports, viewership was very confusing. And I guess I've read a lot about it. And I'm really interested to get started. Yeah, let's do that then, because I think you're quite right. Um, one thing I certainly kind of um, found out, and I guess we probably all already knew this, is sports so integrated into culture, into society, into technology, into all sorts of different things. And sports, it kind of moves around and evolves based on all of those things yeah so it's sometimes hard to kind of draw um bodies around it but but, but where, where, where do you want to start then where should we start with uh, monetization sports um okay so i think i i think the best way to start is the 1960s because that's okay. when the professional sports started making a substantial amount of money and yeah and and that will lead us to uh, explaining everything else that's, that happens afterwards. Yep. So, so in the 1960s, in the 1950s, televisions started coming into homes. And in the 1960s, broadcasting came into play. Yeah. And in the 1960s, what that meant was that viewership inflated. So when thousands of people would come to stadiums to watch football teams or tennis tennis players play a match uh that number inflated to uh everyone and the millions watching on television yeah now because there were more people watching there was more money to make there was more ads to sell and there were more fans that increased yeah. the amount of money in the game so the connection i drew from that was more viewers more fans more money and higher paid sports players what do you think 
I think there's definitely a connection between kind of accessibility and distribution hmm. of the sport to monetization because yeah. you know TV brings you advertising, um, you know TV brings you um, brand awareness, and suddenly you know people are wearing Nike T-shirts, hmm. and then suddenly uh, Nike. But it's interesting because um, as as with most things in life, there's there's kind of pretty chunky exceptions because uh, take cricket. Um, you know, um, I'm a I'm a big fan of kind of cricket when it comes to the the World Cup, but you know, Test matches I struggle to watch. Yeah, but they were very popular. I mean, you know, especially like you know, uh, in South Asia, I mean, mm. millions and millions of people watch cricket. But up until probably ten years ago, even less than that, cricketers yeah. didn't get paid a huge amount of money, um, and it was televised. You know. Ashes were televised. Hmm. People would watch in the millions. But cricketers were still um, paid, you know, I guess reasonably well, but nothing to the range of a football player or an NFL player or a basketball player. Definitely. And it's only recently when um, all the kind of funding came from Saudi Arabia and in India, and suddenly everyone's wearing really bright coloured uh, outfits and yeah. they've all got funny names like, you know, shooting star or tigers <laughs> or something, you know, something kind of cool. It's probably only then really money has kind of come into the sport and then suddenly you got superstars. Hmm. Cause I mean, back in, uh, when I watched cricket, you know, you had, you know, uh, for Pakistan, I was a, I was a fan of Pakistan and England, uh, living in the UK, you know, Waka Yunus, Imran Khan, yeah. you know, legends. Hmm. Um, but and I remember reading Imran Khan's book and I think, you know, at one point he was getting paid, I think it's like two grand a match and, you know, in, in total and, but he had to pay for everything else himself yeah. to travel. They had to pay themselves. They had to buy their own kit and all the rest of it. Um, and when you look at, you know, his equivalent of a footballer in those days, which was probably a Maradona or a Pele, yeah. you know, they were in the tens of millions. Um, so I think, yeah, I agree with you. There was a, there was a spike in certain sports, hmm. but then in others, for some reason, there was such a delay before someone thought, why aren't we monetizing this? And I, and I was kind of trying to get um, around that. I couldn't find quite find an answer mm. as to why silly people thought, hold a minute, millions of people are watching cricket. Why, why aren't we making money off it? Yeah. Um, okay. So, so I, I came across a very similar problem when I was uh, looking at sports in Europe and the US. And the thing that I understood was uh, global brands. Back in South Asia, especially a decade or two ago, branding was not that strong and global brands weren't as present and didn't market in those areas, I believe, as strong as they do now or as strong as they do in other places in the world where they're headquartered or where there are larger consumer markets for those brands. For example, um, Nike. People in in those countries, the majority of people who watch cricket, the millions of people, they couldn't afford a Nike trainers or a nike shirt or a nike shorts to wear they'd wear other cheaper brands locally made brands so nike did not have, have an incentive to come in and sponsor those teams or those players whereas in the uk us and europe people can afford to purchase nike as routine regular wear and that's why nike may or another sports company may seem more uh, seem find it more appropriate to sponsor in this in, in these areas so I believe that's uh, one big point when it comes to follow the money. Where does the money come from in sports? That's like brands and corporations. So they may have less incentive to go into those places. And that's an interesting parallel because I just saw the same in the UK and the US. For example, the Football World Cup had about 3.8 billion viewers on it. 
and uh, you compare that with uh, the NBA or the NFL, uh, the viewers are in a hundred million, two hundred million, three hundred million range. So that's a big difference. But if you look at the average salaries of players in both sports, the sports in the US are paid more than in the UK. The average salary of a Premier League footballer is uh, about two hundred k, whereas the same for an NBA player is eight million. Uh, dollars per year that's again mm-hmm. a big difference and then why is that even if viewership like yeah. it's contradicting viewership that's because the united states is the biggest consumer market in the world and companies will pay more to put their logo on michael jordan's shirt instead yeah. of imran khan's shirt because people are more people are going to look at him and then are able to purchase those brands as well so i think it's a very tricky thing when it comes to viewership and then a consumer culture in a country and then the affordability or the ability yeah. to purchase brands so i think it's a very tricky thing when you look at these three things no i i think you're on you're on to something there so i think there's a there's a i think there's an algorithm we can write here which says you know viewership times kind of um gdp times etc mm-hmm. equates to you know, X amount value because you, you're not wrong because um, football, because of its very nature and soccer to our uh, American listeners, you know, it's it's accessible worldwide. Hmm. So everyone plays football, you know, in South America, in Europe, everywhere, you know, yeah. football is football. Yeah. Um, but it was always seen as originally it was a very, you know, it was a working class sport hmm. and it kind of came through as a working class sport um and that's how it was played and and um, strangely enough rugby was seen as an upper class sport hmm. um, whereas football was seen as kind of so it was always kind of um it was never translated into money and it was only in the i think it was the late 80s early 90s um in the uk certainly um a guy called jimmy hill who's a hmm. commentator but also kind of a, a big um sort of sponsor of um Players being fairly treated, yeah. he kind of renegotiate salaries, hmm. and 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 that it just blew up when it came to salaries because yeah. before that they were footballers were still not getting paid a lot of money, hmm. uh, and then suddenly it all blew up, and and I kind of wonder sometimes if it's chicken and egg, hmm. and then suddenly you have these really huge salaries, and then so suddenly you need to go right. Well, I need to leverage that, yeah, and I now need to generate income from these players because you always mm. had like superstars and but they were different and i think in parallel I, I wonder what how much you know like social media has played a part because you know social media in the mm. last sort of you know um from early 2000s onward you know we, we forget social media as a baby in terms of how how many years it's been around and you kind of look at even the likes of maradona mm. and pele who are world-class and names that were recognized everywhere pre-social media yeah but they didn't have a YouTube following. They didn't have an Insta following. So they didn't get the revenue and income that came with that. And therefore, as a brand, hmm. I'm I'm not going to go, you know, I wouldn't know tomorrow, Donna, you've got a billion followers. So if I if you wear one of my T-shirts or one of my trainers, a billion people are going to watch. Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah. you know, his, his annual income at the moment is about 500 million. And about 400 of that comes from, his his kind of commercial uh, activities, advertising, yeah. brand awareness. I think he's got you know hundreds of millions of followers. Hmm. So whenever he posts something, people want to do it and people yeah. will follow it. You know, exactly. if he goes to a restaurant, people want to go. If he goes on a certain flight, so so I think there's there's, there's probably yeah, you're right. There's probably a number of things at play here, hmm. um, which mean actually they all kind of need to be perfectly aligned. 
to generate that income because right nfl sorry the you know the nba hmm. it's, it's it's starting to seep into other countries and other countries watch it but it's yeah. very much american you know it's, yeah. you know whereas football is seen as worldwide yeah whereas nba it's american and then there's other other countries play it um so yeah no i think it's a really interesting point yeah and uh, i think your points regarding advertising and everything they all relate to um so how do sport teams sports teams make money they make money in three main ways uh firstly uh, ticket sales obviously secondly uh, merchandising and thirdly advertising so the example you give about cristiano ronaldo and social media he has millions of followers so the sports teams know that if we get if you buy Cristiano Ronaldo, give him a contract, sign him up, uh, we're going to sell a lot of merchandise of his name. Uh, we're going to have advertisers on because more people will be tuning in to watch Cristiano Ronaldo play and we'll have more ticket sales. So that thing, when it comes to demand and supply, several teams uh, wanting one player, that also boosts salaries up. So I think it's just going with your point again, uh, that it's very tricky and a lot of things, social media's play has changed everything a lot. And that that made me think of something that's begun to happen in recent years in terms of women's sports as well. Uh, yeah, the women's uh, soccer team in the US has uh, negotiated contracts and has uh, increased the salaries they're being paid and the prize money for uh, uh, the the championship in the US has increased. I think it 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 used to be around five million. Now it's ten million. Projected to go to twelve million over the couple of years and. Obviously, the example in the UK, uh, the event that happened yeah. last. So I think as people are becoming fans of the sport, as viewership is increasing, as awareness of the pay gap is increasing, uh, women's sports are also gaining leverage and becoming more uh, yeah. financially lucrative. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think what's happened as well is the maturity of the particular sports and clubs in understanding their value. Hmm. Whereas before, um, they, they, they were a bit naive in terms of understanding the value negotiating contracts, whereas you're quite right. You know, the Premier League now negotiates its contracts with, you know, Sky and BBC every X number of years. Hmm. And, you know, it's 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 got all the analytics. It kind of says we get, here's the total ticket sales. Yeah. So, you know, we have X number of million people turning up to the games. Here's the viewership's. On, so they know their value. Hmm. So then they negotiate based on their value. Hmm. Whereas I think historically there's been a bit of kind of naivety around um, some of that and mature lack of maturity around how clubs were structured like businesses hmm. and how sports set themselves up as businesses. Whereas before the sport came first, yeah. And if you made some money, fantastic. But it was all about the sport. Hmm. And then suddenly, you know, you know, if you look at now, you know, you you look at all the big. You know, whether it's an NFL team, an NBA team, or a Premier League football, I mean, they're all run by big conglomerations. Yeah. You know, they're, they're run by billionaires and people who, you know, own oil businesses. And mm. it's just another, you know, part of their portfolio. Mm. And as a result of that, they've become a lot sharper about income generation. Yeah. And, and, and one thing where I kind of really noticed it is where when it's sports that to do with kind of clubs, the money they generate and the money they earn is far bigger than say, for example, Olympics and mm. Olympic athletes, because, you know, the Olympics every four years, billions of people watch it, but on, you know, most, can you believe it or not? I think uh, the start I read was 70% or more of the athletes that come to Olympics don't get paid. Mm. Oh, wow. 
So, you know, like nothing. And and they are there to hope that they win a medal. And if they win a medal, they may get some sponsorship deal. Oh. But they are not getting paid. You know, there, hmm. there's exceptions, you know, like Usain Bolt. Hmm. But he's such an exception. If you think about how many athletes are at the Olympics, how many you can name off the top of your head who then go on to make some branding and some, it's very small. Yeah. But, and I think some of that is to do with, you know, the monetization comes from having an organization around you hmm. and the organization around you suddenly sets itself up as a business. Yeah. Whereas individual athletes, it's difficult to do that unless there's something about that athlete and Usain Bolt is just such a big character. So there's something memorable about him as an individual, hmm. but you don't get, you know, the British team. Yeah as an Olympic team, suddenly being where the business, where the British Olympic team are, we're going to negotiate a television contract. They mm. just don't do that. Yeah. And so as a result, they kind of not necessarily treated unfairly, but they don't get the same amount of um, credit and return for multiple billions of people watching them, multiple billions of ad revenue sold because people are watching the Olympics. The mm. athletes will get none of that. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, so that was the other bit kind of, um, I, I found, which is clubs tend to generate cause they run like big businesses, big corporates basically. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's one thing I noticed myself, uh, when I was looking into the structures and everything with, uh, pay, pay, pay caps coming into, uh, like, uh, practice in the U S especially and yeah. with, uh, transfer fees and everything, they're all, they're all structured like a business and making sure that the club earns a lot of money and yeah. sure that's that is uh, derived from uh performing well in the tournaments and from increasing the fans you have but yeah i think i think your point on sport being changed from a play for fun to make money on the larger scale is something that's driving uh, this forward as well yeah yeah and you see you see that um a lot more in like uh, boxing and mma hmm. and you know, if you if you look back to uh, you know like a Muhammad Ali fight and or a Joe Fraser fight, now they, they you know they they received money you know yeah. and probably substantial in that time, but nowhere near as you know I think it's Floyd Mayweather and Pacquiao. I think both the purse total purse was four hundred million or something ridiculous yep. for, a, for, yep. for one fight, um, and that's you know back to that point where it's the money and mm. suddenly there's a lot of drama around it. There's a build up. There's storytelling, you know, there's, there's lots of stuff that happens, you know, through, whether it's through social media or TV. So the fight isn't just the fight. Yeah. It isn't just excited about these two people having a fight. It's this big buildup. And that's because again, you know, the, the businesses and the businesses suddenly get behind this because, um, you know, again, I was reading uh, Mike Tyson's book, really mm. interesting read, you know, what, what a life that guy's led. Oh, amazing. um, um, but he kind of, you know, he was bankrupt. I think he's been bankrupt like two or three times. And the first time he bankrupt, I think he, he'd earned, you know, hundreds of millions that mm. got bankrupt. Yeah. And because he'd had this kind of business structure around him where people were taking his money and investing it and doing all sorts of it, but he had no clue what was going on. Mm. And, you know, he ended up being uh, bankrupt. And then you see a lot of the more uh, current fighters are so much more switched on when it comes to finances. Yeah. You know, and they're so, you know, they've all got, you know, probably economics degrees because they understand their worth, but they also understand they've got a very small window to generate mm -hmm. income. Yeah. And so they they know that they need to generate income. And, you know, this, this new trend of YouTubers fighting each other. Oh, no. Uh, you know, and, and they're, they're earning like, you know, millions. And yeah, they're just, yeah. you know, they're just YouTubers having a fight, which yeah. is it's crazy. But 
that's what, that's where we are, I guess, where people are willing to pay and watch it. Yeah, if you look at the McGregor, if, uh, the MMA fight, uh, Conor McGregor versus Khabib, uh, so th- most of what I watched, like I maybe watched like maybe, was it a 10-minute long fight, 15-minute long fight, something like that. So that's how much of the actual fight I've watched. The 90% of the time I spent on that fight was everything that happened before. Uh, the the talking and the arguments they had and there yeah. was this bus incident where someone attacked a bus and stuff yeah. like that. And so that's all the hype they built up, getting viewers yeah. on board and getting everything. So, and uh, the MMA was uh, behind it. Uh, the UFC was behind it. So they actually uh, promoted all that noise and that hype to get people interested in what's going on and everything. And uh, and then I think McGregor got 150 million for losing that fight. So yeah. it works. It works it's like a business. You just market it. it. Does. Yeah, and I think I think that's the other thing, isn't it? Um, you know, marketing and and again, social media kind of allows you to really kind of quick access to the market, hmm. and and you can kind of you know to your point about all these little side stories like you know in a you know back to Muhammad Ali and Joe Fraser fight you wouldn't have known what Muhammad Ali was doing at his hotel no. you know you don't get filmed of that you don't get him walking to this or all of the stuff surrounding it you just didn't see any of that hmm. but again which means you know in the current climate a missed opportunity from monetization whereas actually now every bit of it just becomes a show yeah. and everything is monetized you know, there's branding everywhere. You know, they 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 go everywhere with branding, and and it's it, it's funny because um I was watching this um sci-fi show. I think it might have been Black Mirror. It's on Netflix. It's really well written, clever, That's and each episode is really different. Yeah, and one was about uh, branding where you literally sold space on yourself. Hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just like it's just taking it to the next level where you know the monetization oh, goes. You know, where, where people are going, you know, it's a bit like uh, Cristiano Ronaldo going, right, Nike, I'm going to get a Nike tattoo. Oh, you wow. know, and 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 that, that'll be, you know, worth X amount. That would be and, worth billions. Exactly. And then, you know, but but there'll be the big story, which is there'll be the social media. There'll be watch people watching him getting tattooed. There'll be the build up to getting the tattoo. There'll be mm. interviews about the tattoo after yeah. the tattoo. You know, there'd be a whole thing about this story, which last months. You know, yeah. it gets stretched out forever till the actual Just, event. Yeah. Yeah. And by the time the event happens, everyone's like in such a uh, excited, you know, oh, my goodness, it's finally happening. And then it'll happen. And then we'll be like, all right, I'm not sure why we got all excited about that. It was a tattoo. Yeah. And but that's that's it not it, though. Everyone who likes Cristiano will be getting Nike tattoos as well. For, exactly. That's the brand. And that's the brand. And imagine what, how much the brand would be willing to pay for that. Random yeah. people on the street permanently yeah, etched yeah. into your skin. So I think. Yeah. But, yeah. but I think, you know, um, um, just kind of, I guess, trying to put some walls around what we've been talking about, but I think fundamentally uh, it, they're all kind of interlinked, which is, you know, I think like your, your algorithm, which again, one of the many things we need to patent, which is, you know, it's a combination <laughs> of kind of the popularity of the sport, right? Mm. So how many people watch this thing regularly? Yeah. I think that's the the other bit about the Olympics, which is Olympics happens once every four years. Yep. You know, NFL, football, NBA, multiple games every week. Hmm. So your brand is front of mind every week. So yep. so it's kind of how frequently and and how many people are watching it. Hmm. I think then there's the 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 kind of the 
the merchandising opportunities, the branding opportunities, the linkages to it. Hmm. Um, so, you know, for example, you know, if you're watching the football and then suddenly, you know, it's summer and we're watching a World Cup, it's all holiday adverts. Yeah. Because they've, they've got, you know, they've got X hundreds of million people sat there watching football and they're going, all right, I may as well book a holiday while I'm sitting here. And so it's the kind of, then it's the, you know, the connected advertising. And then I think, you know, you touched on this earlier, it's the market you're uh, targeting, you know, mm. like if you're in America, you've got a, you know, high, high GDP consumer market with lots of, you know, luxury spend disposable income, you know, versus, you know, in, in India or Pakistan or somewhere else, slightly different. Mm. You know, it's, it's one of the reasons football in South America is so popular, yeah. but the footballers make no money because mm. for that very same reason. S- spending power. Spending power. Yeah, so I, I think, think it's kind of, yeah, go on. I think that brings you on to a point that you mentioned earlier that football in the UK began as a working class sport. Yeah. And that's the majority of the people anywhere in the world, in the UK as well. Yes. So what yeah. So what would people uh, funding those sports do? They think, okay, yeah. we have to make this sport uh, appeal to a larger audience because these yeah. are the people who are going to spend money on our products. So yeah. they push money in and then we get the yeah. bar- we get the Barclays Premier League. Yeah. And and it's you know 100%. And, and there's a there's a parallel to that topic and we will maybe cover it in another um, uh, episode. But, you know, movies you know, Hollywood, Bollywood, etc. There's huge parallels here because it's all the same thing, isn't it? It's all about getting large amounts of audience to come, be entertained. And at the same time, we're going to advertise to you. And if you really enjoy the thing, you'll enjoy what what you saw and maybe you'll purchase it. And it's the audience is all also relevant because again, you know, similar to, um, you know, sports, Hollywood, tons of money, Bollywood, high volume of people watching it, no money until recently. Yeah. And suddenly that's kind of blown up for, for similar reasons as you touched. So there's, there's huge parallels between, I guess, any entertainment where you're getting masses of people hmm. to come and watch something. Yeah. And then you've got, you've got a, a captured audience here who are sitting watching things, following people they love, you know, you know, Neymar, Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, Michael Jordan, and then going, right, plus social media around everything going, my goodness, I want to look, dress and act like that person. Yeah. So, you know, there's a reason Kim Kardashian's a billionaireess because yeah. she's r- run a very successful business where people want to emulate her. Hmm. And and so, so, so all of that kind of tied together is kind of what creates this thing where, you know, where we are today, which is, you know, sports is highly monetized, yeah. really big business with really kind of smart, capable people running it all very kind of hard-nosed, all about the bottom line. You know, to a degree, the sport is almost kind of forgotten, unfortunately, in some cases. Yeah. Because, um, um, and and just, sorry, it's like diversion, but I was watching the badminton in the Commonwealth Games hmm. and and the skill on show was mind-blowing because I, I play badminton badly. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> just, it was amazing. But but only like 2,000 people watching it in the crowd. Hmm. And so you kind of go like, a badminton player versus a professional footballer versus a professional basketball player. Yeah. They've all probably put the same amount of years in. They're all highly skilled people. Skill. Yeah. But not what? many people want to play watch badminton. They'll play it. But it's, but even though I was watching, it, I was like, wow, these guys are like flipping superheroes. The speed and agility, and it was amazing to watch. Super fast. Um, but yeah, there, sorry. There is yeah. there is another thing that uh, just listening to you talk made me realize. <clears throat> 
So you covered quite a few things such as popularity, frequency, uh, merchandising, branding, and then of course, uh, market targeting, whether the consumer has enough money to spend. So I thought of, I thought of Formula One, for example. Uh, if you look at the NBA, if you look at football, you look at cricket, Formula One doesn't attract as many viewers. Sure, it attracts loads, but not as much. But then there is so much being spent on Formula One like a new engine every year, is it? Or every race? I think it's every year, right? For every season. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, a new engine costing like 100, 200 million pounds. And then these players, they get tens of millions of pounds for winning as well. So why is Formula One paired so much, even if not that many people watch it? And the thing that I thought was, so if you're, uh, if your corporate wanted to sponsor a football match, or put your ad on there. So you're selling uh, t-shirts, uh, shirts for 50 pounds, 60 pounds, something like that. And if you're sponsoring Formula One, you're probably Mercedes or BMW or Ferrari, and your car is gonna cost 100,000 or 200,000, something like that. So I guess the product that you want the viewer to buy, how expensive it is, can also impact how much money the players, the sport makes. So that's something that just popped into my head. What do you think about that? Does that make sense? No, I, I, I think so. And I think that kind of still makes your algorithm work because it's your, it's your target market. Oh, that because, changes. you know, your target market is certainly not working class because mm. it's, you know, high-end earners. Because if you go, if you want to go to Formula One, you know, it's expensive. You know, the tickets are hundreds of pounds. Yeah. You know, they they you probably have to travel the world because mm. you know it's got we've got Silverstone, but that's you'll get to see one in the UK. But if you want yeah. to see the other ones, you know, people will have to go to Monaco and etc. Yeah. Um. Even in even the countries it's in, there's prestige mm. that comes with it. You know, Monaco. You know, Qatar want one. You know, Singapore. It's all kind of countries that go right. I want to show that. I want, I want the big show. I yeah. want to show that I've got the level of prestige. Because the, the other thing I was um, fully reading on um, Formula One and NASCAR was the other one where the drivers yeah. are highly paid to go around in circles. Hmm. Uh, it's probably under, underplaying what NASCAR is, but it's pretty much going around in circles. I was in Vegas a few years ago, friends um, stag do. We went, um, well, well, they went to see um, a NASCAR show. I didn't, but they kind of came back and said it was just noise, smelly, and then the car just whizzed by in circles. Uh, but oh. everyone, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people come to watch it. Um, but the other thing is, it's just, it's kind of showing that the, the company, the car company hmm. is of a certain level. Hmm. And, hmm. you know, it kind of says, if you stop competing in NASCAR, it's kind of, or, or in something else, it's kind of like you've given up. Yeah. And your, your market brand has just dropped now because you're not competing at the highest level which, you know, is Formula One or NASCAR or whatever. Hmm. So that is definitely, you're right. You know, it's the value of the product they're offering. Hmm. It's also the kind of the prestige target market because the other sport that's really popular, like in the UK and in, part, in parts of Arabia is polo. Yeah, now, yeah. Rarely televised. Hmm. You know, it's like nobody, nobody sits around watching polo and talking about, oh, my polo team. You know, I have no idea if England have a polo team or not. Who knows? Yeah. But it's still a popular sport. It still gets millions of pounds of investment because it's seen as a royal sport. And so there's, so, you know, you'll get Cartier or somebody else sponsoring it hmm. because it's again, your target targeting market. To the, yeah. Of course you are. Yeah. You're targeting to certain people. They were, they were having this debate about um, yachting and, and how um, they were saying it wasn't very accessible. 
Uh, mm. So it's kind of back to that, um, you know, working class and target market, and therefore how do you monetize a sport? Because they were struggling to monetize it. So they were very reliant on funding mm. to keep the sport going. Um, but part of the kind of, the, you know, that that challenge then is, you know, we were talking about certain sports of certain target markets. Mm. It depends if your target market then generates enough income to then, you know, keep the sport going. Because yeah. if it doesn't, you know, if your target market is too narrow, Hmm. Then you know. Then you 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 get yourself caught in a position where you're very reliant on funding and yeah. success because you know they 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 lost a lot of funding. Um, I think this Olympics wasn't as successful as the previous one, hmm. and so in certain of the kind of the yachting categories, they lost funding and therefore they couldn't actually compete those those athletes. And but you know they they're still you know they're still marketing. But if you imagine how many people have a yacht want to receive marketing about yachting and the type of companies they were promoting, you know, it's, it's an odd one because yeah. you know, you don't have Tesco on the sales or anything. You're going to, you're going to have something to do with yachting to a target market. Yeah. So I think there's a fine line on that monetization sort of curve, hmm. which says my target market is too narrow or the product I'm selling, the, the kind of the, the, the benefit versus the, the, the cost it's going to take to market it, set up the sport, et cetera, et cetera. Then you get you you carry the risk, which is the the sport just loses funding or cannot wash its face with the with the funding it's receiving, yeah. and then eventually kind of you know it needs to either diversify a bit like cricket did. Hmm. Cricket had to diversify, otherwise yep. it was going to disappear, and so it became really exciting and nighttime cricket and lots of bright lights and stuff. Yeah, or the sport just disappears, hmm. and 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 you just kind of it goes really quiet and it just becomes a local sport played by people, but no longer a team sport with national teams and all the rest of it yeah no i think that's a very very good point you you brought up again that uh you have to uh, have your target market but it can't be so close or so small that it doesn't facilitate the sport growing and com- being commercialized yeah so it's it's been an interesting discussion uh, with you the research and then talking with you learned a lot about the sport we like talked about how sports make money uh, how they can continue to make money and the different kind of uh, demographics and uh, factors that factor in to a sport making money, such as uh, popularity, how many times it's watched in a year, uh, merchandising opportunities, branding opportunities, opportunities for corporations, and then the type of target market that sponsors or people that fund sports target and what kind of products they sell. So I think it's a very uh, tricky a conversation we we should actually work on that algorithm and try to sell it to you know manchester united or someone i don't know but why not yeah and they must be listening hopefully they uh, need all if, the help at the moment i tell you that much south if they're listening <laughs> we've made it haven't we in the podcast thing <laughs> yeah and i guess on this note if you enjoyed our conversation and want to see more please subscribe to our podcast the artless dialogue share it with your friends and tune in next week goodbye Brilliant. Thanks all. Take care.